Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Welcome to season nine, episode four of the Pet Photographers Club podcast. If you're listening to this as we're releasing it, we're very excited to announce that entries to the 2021 International Pet Photographer of the Year Awards are officially closed. It has been a giant month of May filled with excitement for the awards. So we're so, so pleased to see how many people have entered And personally, as one of the judges, hi, this is Caitlin talking, by the way, I know that sometimes our two Australian accents with me and Kirsty make it a little bit confusing for uh, listeners, so I should have introduced myself. Hi, it's Caitlin, guys. (laughs) Um, I'm one of the judges, so I'm really, really excited to start diving into all of the entries slash a little bit overwhelmed. This is one of the most difficult tasks of the year for me, so I will be dedicating lots of time to looking through all these beautiful photos and making sure that we make the right decisions as difficult as that is if you are interested in uh, finding out when the results will be released and all that good stuff you can jump over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash awards and you should see the release dates up there but basically we do the top 100 shortlists for each of the categories and then we do a top 25 and then we release the category winners and finally the overall international pet photographer of the year so big thank you to our very generous sponsors and wonderful volunteer judges entries for the awards every year are free and we can only do that thanks to the generosity of those judges and sponsors so we really really appreciate them all right let's dive into today's interview our guest today is a tasmanian portrait photographer who swapped out her camera for a wacom tablet after doing a class with michelle parsley so she now takes on private commissions for painterly portraits and she also does ghost painting service, which was the first time that Kirstie and I had heard that this was even something that was offered to pet photographers or to photographers in general. So we're really, really intrigued once we heard about this. So it's Leslie Davidson of The Painterly Portrait. And I think you're gonna find this interview really, really interesting if you've ever thought about bringing digital painting into your business, but you either don't have the time to dedicate to learning that or you don't know where to start learning it. Um, If it's just something that you sort of have been thinking might be an interesting second revenue stream, um, you're really going to love this one. I personally have been thinking about it for a while. So I had about a thousand questions to ask Leslie and she was really lovely and generous with all her knowledge. Anyway, let's dive into it. Hope you enjoy it and uh, we'll catch up soon. Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club, Leslie. Thank you. Thank you, Caitlin and Kirsty. It's nice to be here. <laughs> um, Leslie, we'd love to get like a bit more of an um, idea for, you know, what led you um, into what you're doing now. So maybe you could give the listener a little bit more information than our brief introduction. Um, maybe when you started shooting and, and, yeah, your kind of little quick version of your story of how you ended up here. Okay, a little quick version. Um, I've been taking snapshots my whole life, um, but in about 2016, I think, um, my husband loaned me his DSLR and um, he taught me to use it on manual mode 
he's a hard master. He wouldn't let me use it any other way. Um, so I learned pretty fast with that. And like everyone does, I um, I took pictures of everything. Um, but I was always drawn towards people. I'd always turn my camera away from the pretty sunset and start to photograph the photographers instead. Of course, if you're a portrait photographer, you need to learn how to retouch. So I'd been playing around in Photoshop for quite a few years. I explored a bit deeper. I found the wonderful world of compositing and joined the Awake group. They're a group of um, compositing students. Anyway, some people started to post these painted pictures. How did you do that? And um, that's when I heard about Michelle Parsley's course and I got instantly hooked. I just loved it. Uh, so what what was that called? The Awake group is what you first yes. joined? Yes. We'll put a link to that group if anyone yeah. wants to. It's a, it's a series of courses run by Sebastian Michaels. Okay. So you can Google him and see what he does. Awesome. Thank you. It feels like the subject of digital painting for pet photographers became really talked about, especially last year. I think it's because we were all in lockdown and suddenly we couldn't shoot, but Mm. the potential for doing digital painting meant that we could maybe still provide the service for other for our clients um so I yeah it really piqued my interest when you got in touch because I personally was looking into like should I learn do I want to try and learn how to do digital painting um I looked into Michelle Parsley's course because a lot of people were talking about that um so I was really interested to hear that you also did that course so anyway yeah. that's a little well so if I- you're going if you're going to do it Michelle Parsley is the only way to go unless you um, that's if you work in Photoshop if you work in Corel Painter there's um Heather the painter she takes classes in that but I'm a total Photoshop nerd so um it's Michelle for me <laughs> so Leslie, you went from photographing people and now you're working with pets a lot. So how did that transition from um, people to pets, I suppose? Well, I started posting stuff online, as you do. Um, once I felt uh, confident in my work, I started to post online. I got a lot of questions. And um, Michelle also has a fur painting course. So um, I engaged in that one as well and was putting up cats and dogs and things like that. And um, that's when I had the most interest on Facebook. Um, And I had a look at it and I decided, well, if I was going to do this on a professional basis, I think the bigger market is for pets rather than people. Why do you think that is other than, I mean, that you got a little bit more feedback but do you think there's something underlying there? When I spoke to people on Facebook and I put out the call, I asked for um, photos of small white dogs because I seem to see a lot of them around, a lot of small white dogs everywhere Um, and the response came from middle-aged to older women and they were the ones who wanted the paintings of their pets. They weren't interested in having paintings of um, their children or grandchildren. They wanted paintings of their cats and dogs. You know, 
it makes me think of like I'm not sure if you've um, or the listener has you know gone for a walk through or, or seen on a documentary or something you know like a European castle or, or something like that you know but in um, in this kind of um, environment you see these like huge huge paintings in in the homes and some frescoes so they're actually like on the walls um, of where people lived. Often they do have people, but often it's like, well, for me, and probably this is why I'm a pet photographer, <laughs> but I noticed that they always have or often have pets or, or at least animals in, usually dogs, in those paintings too. And, it and really, horses. And horses, you're right. And it gives you this like um, sense of like being able to relate in some kind of way. I feel mm. like um, when, you know, you're walking through this amazing castle that you could definitely not relate with a person otherwise, you know, <laughs> um, in a di- totally different era and a, a totally different wealth, um, obviously. Um, but then they have these pets and, and I don't know, it just gives you some kind of connection. And what I'm looking at, like with your work and for the listener, if you haven't already, make sure you do jump onto um, Leslie's website, thepaintleyportrait.com.au. Work is gorgeous. And when I look through your photos, um, Leslie, as we're chatting, it really brings me back to this kind of vision I have of walking through a castle or whatever. Oh, and okay. I think, which is beautiful, I think, for you. But um, <laughs> the what I was kind of bringing it back to was, it kind of gives this like timeless feel, I think, you know, which is um, my connection, I guess, with the, you know, like these portraits that are gorgeous, even though they're done digitally, they, to me, it makes me feel like they're never going to date. They're going to last like forever. And that's what we want for pictures of our pets, right? That's yeah, why yeah. most of our clients come to us to have um, pet photography done. Kind of exactly. Style. Mm. Yeah. And so I can definitely see that, you know, they must there would be like a bit of a connection there that it's so popular with pets because of that timelessness. Whereas like maybe with kids, you know, people want to be able to see more like, um, oh, this was them when they were five years old because of mm. X, Y, Z reason, whereas pets are, um, you know, yeah, we want that kind of more timeless thing. And I definitely see that in your in your style. They're just gorgeous. Brides <laughs> are another thing too. Brides. Brides would be another good market. I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah. have you done any? Um, yes, but at this point I'm concentrating on pets. I've yeah. done brides and they're lovely to do, all that fabric. I love to paint fabric. No, I, I, I love the texture of the fur in what you create with the pets. Um, I think there's real potential there too for pet photographers offering this as a, a service alongside their photography for when um, in those situations where the pet passes away before you get a chance to do the shoot or um, if they passed away years ago and you want to do a series with their current dogs but then also, you know, from just a snapshot or something, I I can see that um, there's – the possibility to create some really beautiful images from not that great of an original photo. Exactly, exactly. Like um, pretty much 100% of the photos I get given to paint are phone snapshots. Right. And um, most of them you can work with. 
Um, they take a fair amount of work. Some some just don't work at all. But mm-hmm. I have had the um, I have painted pets which have passed, and you just have to um, go with the best they've got and do it. Yeah, uh, that's so cool. Um, so let's backtrack a bit. I want to talk about your learning process for someone out there who's interested in themselves learning how to do digital painting as a pet photographer so you did the Michelle Parsley course how long how long would you say it took you to go from not doing any digital painting to being confident enough to offer it as a service about 12 months Okay. Yeah. Um, Michelle's, um, Michelle's teaching methods are extremely thorough. It's like going to art school. And I know that because I'm currently going to art school. (laughs) (laughs) She teaches from the very basics. She doesn't skip steps. She teaches you, um, you learn how to paint eggs before you learn how to paint skin. And it's very thorough. Uh, I'm still continuing with lessons now. There's so much more to learn. Um, but it's absolutely brilliant. I've noticed there's just been um, an enrolment. Michelle opens enrolment two, maybe three times a year. I'm not sure. And it's just been opened, and I've noticed a few um, familiar pet photographer names coming on board. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 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 good. It's good. Uh, It's not for everybody. Um, you need a lot of patience, you need to love it, and a huge part of the process is that she critiques your work. Um, there's, a, there's a panel of people who are very skilled who will critique students' work, and it's not always easy to have to go back and redo something two, three, four, five times before you get it right. And that can be really frustrating, but it's um, the value to that. You can't measure that. It really, you really learn thoroughly. And the other thing you have to do is practice. Paint every day. Well, like everything, isn't that, Leslie? Practice makes perfect, they say. Correct. Um, you know, you were just saying then about uh, her instruction, which sounds amazing, by the way. It is. Um, <laughs> and everything like about, you know, actually I remember being in the classroom, you know, learning to paint um, and really, like you said, it's just um, practice, 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 and then having somebody giving you really good feedback. Yes. Do you have a – I know you're going to um, arts college at the moment, so do you also paint with, with paint? I've, I've taken painting classes, yes. Uh, I much prefer digital. And um, I know um, a few painters who paint beautifully with oils who have switched to digital as well, um, partly for the cost, partly for the convenience of it. And But, you know, they still go back and paint oils. So it's a bit of a – it's a best of both worlds, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just wondered if um, – if you had the experience comparing the two, um, you know, if, if you find there's an overlap, like, you know, understanding the way that, um, you know, well, you understand the way light falls from a photography point of view, but like from a, from a emotion point of view with the, with the painting, um, I wondered if you saw like a, a transition of skills, do you know? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You're looking at, um, composition, 
um, and lighting, all of that, and it all gets considered within the work. Michelle creates her own particular brushes and she makes them out of real oil paint. Um, so they are uh, they they emulate a real oil painting very well. Yeah, that's so cool. I noticed on your website that you've got, um, you know, different styles that you can create yourself, the more painterly look and then a canvas look and then a pencil look as well. So is that just all varying the type of digital brushes that you're using? Um, it's more in the technique. Mm-hmm. Particularly the painterly one, it's not to everybody's taste. Uh, they're quite bright and full on. The canvas ones are a bit more subdued and the pencily ones are a lot more subdued than that. I really appreciate, uh, I, I think I'm on the ghost painting um, page at the moment, but you've got, you know, a little bit of information underneath each of the different styles about how you could as a photographer then go forward and present it because that's something that sort of was blocking me is feeling like, well, a digital painting might look fine on the screen, but then does it look really flat um, in real life? But then you've got here that, you know, this style looks great printed on a canvas or in textured fine art print. This style is better to be, you know, matted and framed. Mm -hmm. So do you find that, as long as you're printing it with the right sort of textures and the right paper. Correct, correct. I've never tried, like for example, I've never tried to print a pencil drawing onto canvas. Mm-hmm. I think that would look weird. Silly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I <laughs> But um, I've printed them on the um, textured fine art paper and they're just gorgeous. <sighs> That's so cool. So I am... Um, completely obsessed with this ghost painting idea because as I I think I mentioned to you before we started recording I tried to do Michelle Parsley's course last year oh did you yeah yeah I did because I thought well for starters you know I can't leave the house (laughs) and it was just everyone was talking about digital painting and I thought I'll teach myself a new skill and I totally see why it took you 12 months to do and to be perfectly honest I just gave up with how long it was taking me to learn how to do these things. So when you reached out and said, hey, I do ghost painting for photographers, I think anyone out there who, like me, loves the idea of being able to offer this as a complimentary service but isn't going to sit down and take 12 months and put in all those hours and hours and hours to actually learn the uh, technique, I think painting is really interesting. So, um Talk me through how that works for a for, for for me, for example, for a pet photographer. How would I go about hiring a ghost painter for digital pet photography, digital pet paintings? Okay. Well, first up, the reason that I um, preferred to ghost paint rather than do um, what consumer work or retail work or whatever, commission work, um, was because the commission work, like I said, most of them come from mobile phone photos. They're not great. There are a lot of extra work. Yet uh, a pet photographer is going to send me files which are in focus. They're well lit. Um, They're beautifully clear and clean. 
and they have nice backgrounds. So for me, it's a no-brainer, and that's that's why that's why I charge less to um, pet photographers because I have to do less work. It makes them. sense to me, Leslie, that it would be much nicer for you to work on. I mean, with your understanding already of photography as a photographer mm-hmm. um, and then your, you know, skills of the doing this um, digital painting and then your passion in there as well. It must be just so much nicer to be working on beautiful images than trying to turn a iPhone photo or whatever, a, a consumer <laughs> photo. You into have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it's chalk and cheese. Although, yes, although exactly. there is there is such a sense of achievement when you take something which is pretty blur and you can turn it into something really nice. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's really satisfying to be able to do that. Yeah, I I can definitely imagine that would be amazing. It's kind of like for me, I know when I work with a a dog who's not well trained at all or a dog that's um, super anxious and then I'm able to work with the dog to make them calm enough that I'm able to capture a photo where the dog actually looks calm and relaxed and happy and I know that Mm -hmm. it means so much to the owner. I mean, those shoots, even though they're super hard, I feel so (laughs) proud at the end of those shoots and I imagine it's a similar similar thing for, you know, for working with dodgy iPhone friends for you. So, Leslie, um, I can see like exactly like Caitlin said that there are lots of photographers that would have pet photographers that have beautiful images, obviously, um, that they've taken of their client for their clients. And then the clients really like this style. And like Caitlin said, maybe, you know, they, they have a part a dog from the past that has passed away and they want to put, mm-hmm. you know, matching images together or something. And yep. And I imagine that like Caitlin said, um, not everybody wants to learn how to do it themselves. And, even if they do want to learn, maybe they want to deliver something like this to their client now and not in 12 months' time. And I see that's where your service comes in perfectly, you know. Um, yeah, so I think it's great that you're offering um, offering that to photographers. Now, can you service photographers all over the world or only in Australia? No, all over the world because um, the way it works is you send me your photograph uh, via email or on the order form and I go through the process and I paint it and I send you back uh, a USB with three files on it, uh, be a TIFF, a JPEG or and a, and a low res for social media or um, they, they, can be, they can be downloaded if you prefer that. And then um, I don't put my branding on it at all. Um, I can sign it, but that's that's up to the photographer if they want me to do that. And then you can package it and price it and print it any way you want. Ah, fantastic. It just sounds like such an interesting secondary revenue stream that pet photographers could introduce into their businesses. Now, what I want to do in the second half of this interview for the extended episode is start chatting about specific ways that as pet photographers we could introduce digital uh digital pet painting maybe if we have a little bit of a brainstorm between the three of us of different ways that we could have that in a session or hopefully leslie you can share with us some ways that you've seen other pet photographers integrating that into their business um but we will 
pause the episode here. So if you're listening to the free version of this episode, you can jump over to the show notes at thepetphotographersclub.com forward slash podcast forward slash 0904 for season nine, episode four. And we will have a link to everything that Leslie has mentioned plus her website there. So you can go check out the ghost painting services and the courses that Leslie has mentioned that she's done. Uh, But if you would like to continue listening to this conversation and we get into the nitty gritty of, you know, how we can price this and how we can advertise it. I I really want to do a little brainstorming session here, guys. Um, Then you can keep on listening to this over in the member zone for members. If you're not a member yet, you can join us. It's only $10 a month. You get all the extended episodes and much, much more. And you can join us at the Pet photographersclub.com forward slash join. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes, and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.